Boom. All right, here we are. Big Hit Arena is open on Entropy. We're going to be talking about a rock, Fallujah in particular. Since they never, ever did this on the mass media, we never get to talk to veterans. We never get to hear about the war other than the basically from the skies. It's shocking all big puffs of smoke on the ground. Never see the victims. It's like a fucking video game. They don't see the horrors. They don't understand what a lot of these people went through. Why there's so many veteran suicides. Or if not, just just depression and guilt and psychologically being fucked up. And, and all for what? A bunch of lies. The Iraq War was started by lying about WMDs. That was the legal reason. They also lied about a number of other things. And when we say they... We're talking about the neocons. And when we're talking about the neocons, you break that down and it's disproportionately, you know, our greatest allies, small hats, God's chosen <laughs> lunatics. You know who. We're not even allowed to say who they are because you'll get banned. That's the level of control they still have. And I've got with me an Iraqi veteran with the best shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> Where'd you get that? <laughs> I think I got that from your website. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, cheap plug. You can get your Boycott Israel shirt. Uh, I got End All Aid Israel sticker behind my head, I think. And that's on the site. I'm going to give you the floor, dude. Um, talk about yeah, your man. experience. Like, how, you know, did you get suckered to go in there? Were you already in the military? And then that's just where you got deployed? Or what happened there? Um,. So growing up, I was always, I always enjoyed guns and um, watching the History Channel and things like that. So the, the military had always interested me. And from the time I was probably in middle school, like I knew that's what I wanted to do. For the and, record, um, the History Channel actually used to do stuff about history. It wasn't all <laughs> ice truckers and ancient yeah. aliens or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. And back then, they really they did a bunch of stuff. You know, you had things on World War II, Vietnam. Started, yeah. It was like the... Yeah, it was it was the uh, official story of it, but um, right. it was you know as a you know just a young naive person, you know you just watch the things you see and you believe it. But um, I did that, and I mean I think my interest for the military came from as a child. Um, my father's parents, we would visit them every other weekend. You know, we'd go back and forth after church and uh, eat, eat lunch at their house, and my dad's parents had a 25-volume illustrated encyclopedia of World War II. And whenever I was about eight or nine years old, I started looking at those every time I'd go over there, just seeing all the pictures, the images. That was the um, internet was, before there was an internet. That's right, that's before the internet. Go Correct, sit down uh, with the encyclopedias. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, so I, I had this, this draw uh, to go into the military, and, and obviously um, I think... You know, being young like that and naive, everything that I had, uh, all the opinions that I had formed had come from, you know, the television set or, or out of books or something like that. But I had a very, I guess, a nuanced view or, I, you know, or maybe I'd say I was I was um, I had a lot of faith in the American military machine and what we were doing, that we were on the right side of everything. Mm. So. When 9-11 happened, um, I mean, I was in high school. Um, Did you say right side or right, oh, right, right side? Yes. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, the, the, the right side. Yeah, we were on the right side of history. Um, but whenever I was in high school, 9-11 happened. But by that point in time, I had already made my 
my mind up. I wanted to go in the Marine Corps, and uh, I wanted to be an infantry guy. I, you know, there's really no point in joining the. <laughs> to me, there's no point in going in the in the Marine Corps unless you're going to go be an infantryman. So, um, but I I went in, um, went to boot camp in uh, summer of 2003, and by the spring of 2004, I was in Iraq. Um, so I went over there twice, uh, once in 2004 and again in 2005. And uh, the first deployment that we were over there was the the ugliest one. It was Iraq was still pretty raw. Um, we had, I guess you'd call it theater control or whatnot. We were still in control of the country for about half the time I was there, where they had not created an Iraqi government yet. So we did whatever we wanted to do. We didn't have anyone that we... You know, we, we did anything we wanted to for the most part. Um, and a lot of the guys who still wanted to fight you would pick up a gun and fight you. Uh, later on, you know, a lot of those guys were killed um, or snatched up because, you know, a lot of what we were doing over there was body snatching and grabbing people at night and sending them, um, you know, into detainee facilities or. You know, we were pretty close to Abu Ghraib. I've actually been to Abu Ghraib. I had no idea what it was at the time, but we we did take people there before. So I've seen it uh, from the outside and got to drive inside the inside the base. Um, but anyway, that, you know, for we, those we got, who don't know, Abu Ghraib or Abu Ghraib, some people call it, is the place where they tortured people, uh, raped little boys, and played the cries and screams for their mothers. And select members of Congress got to listen to that and see those tapes of young boys being sodomized and women wanting to kill themselves. It's just torture. And what came out in the press was stacks of naked bodies, which Bill O'Reilly compared to, oh, it's just like cheerleading pyramids and uh, attacking them with dogs and putting uh, hoods on their heads with electrodes on them and stuff. But they saw the more mild end of the spectrum of torture that was going on there was straight up like popping eardrums and crazy level torture going on there <clears throat> and that uh when that leaked out and since the iraqi insurgency even more but like what was the point of torturing people we are always pontificating about how we're better than that and don't do that but that's <laughs> exactly what was going on there well i can skip forward to my second deployment and tell you a story about detainee facilities um mm. This, my second, the second time I was over there, so both deployments, we were in um, the Al-Anbar province. So when you look at Baghdad, it's right in the center of the country. The Al-Anbar province is kind of to the south and west of, of Baghdad. Um, but the second time we were over there, we were exclusively in the Fallujah area. We, we were based out of the Mecca, the Camp Fallujah, and we all of our operations were done in the little city called Al-Karma. But on Camp Fallujah, um, or we, we called it the Mecca. It was a it was a large base that was that was out there. We had um you know whenever we a lot of what we did um you know we did a lot of patrols and things like that. But we'd also have missions where you go out uh, with the Iraqi army sometimes because we would be training these guys or they would be with us. Um, but you would do a lot of body snatching. So you'd go grab people up and uh, take them back to, to the first place they would go to is is the Camp Fallujah detainee facility and. Um, Inside of the facility, it was manned by uh, gr different groups of people. So there were regular infantry Marines like myself who we took turns, you know, different platoons or groups, people, somebody would get sent out to this to this thing. And there was probably, I don't know, half a dozen of us at least 
we took turns guarding the prisoners. Like we would walk in there, but the other thing that we would do is we would sit in on the interrogation. So there'd be a, a het guy, you know, one of the marine officers or marine enlisted guy, um, and then there would be an interrogator. And I never caught on to this whenever I was there. It was only until like I got older and kind of looked back on it and was like, wait a second, I know what those guys were. So we, the interrogators that we had that worked with us and the intelligence guys that were with us were Iraqi citizens that would call them, they would say that they were um, American professors, that they were, um, you know, like a, a university professor back in, back in the U.S. Right. But they really wouldn't tell us very much about it. But these were, I guess, dual nationals. So they were Iraqi citizens. Those dudes could put their hands on the Iraqis. They could hit them. They could, they could fuck them up. And we were we were not 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 allowed to do that. I mean, like our purpose of being in the het interrogations, like as an enlisted marine, to observe it was to as a as a witness to make sure that things didn't happen. Um, but we we realized that these guys were able to do a lot more. And it was wasn't until I was older and really looked back on it that I realized those guys were probably spooks. Um, they they were working for somebody else, you know. Of course, with our U.S. government, but they were they were doing um more shady shit than I think we were aware of at the time. But yeah, that, that's on a uh, detainee facilities and things like that. Kind of a you know, went, went went off on a, a lot on of a different side. I, I would not have because I would not have doubted. We that we very much lacked people who could even speak Arabic. I mean, it was oh. pathetic. This idea on television of the CIA and stuff as being you know this almost invincible thing and everybody speaks 12 languages and whatever and they find a piece of dust with your fingerprint and the CSI crap. It's crap. Like, we, it was, <laughs> my ex-boss yeah. is in the FBI as a Turkish translator in the Washington field office. They only had three translators and two of them were faking it. Nobody could speak Farsi. Barely anybody could speak Turkish. and They rely heavily on the Israelis for all that because they do they're over there and of course they're going to torture and beat people and yeah what's the point it's like oh who what do you need mm -hmm. to know uh well i don't know people resisting you because you're occupying their fucking country that it's not like yeah. uh they didn't even have to get paid or anything <laughs> they're doing it because you probably killed somebody they knew anyway uh, well you know the, one of the things that stands out was one of the guys that i watched he said well, you know we would sit on said i don't think i told you this before but one of the one of the things that we would do is aside from you know watching the the prisoners guarding the prisoners in the area that they were in uh we would sit in on those interrogations and one of the guys that i sat in with you know i mean i was in my uh, i was uh probably 19 or 20 at the time and one of the guys i'll, I'll never forget this man i don't remember his name uh, but i remember he was he was probably in his mid-20s maybe mid to late 20s and he was angry so a lot of these guys you know they get there and they're scared you know they're 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 so scared they don't know what they're, you know, they, they have no idea what they're doing. Or, they, you know, they just got snatched up for whatever reason. They really probably didn't do anything. But this guy, he was angry at us. And, I mean, he was so mad because what they'd do is they'd start out asking you question, asking them questions. You know, where, you know, what's your name? Where are you from? Um, you know, what do you do? they just go through a, a line of questions that they would ask all of them. But then they would get into, you know, why they were pulled in. And this dude, I remember whenever he was pulled in, because it was my, my unit that had you know, snatched the guy up, obviously. And uh, he was brought in because he, was, he had been taking part, part in placing IEDs um, and you know, roadside bombs. Mm -hmm. And this dude, he did not have a problem admitting to it. 
and what was interesting about it was whenever they started questioning him, you know, he was so angry. Basically, what he said was that, you know, his family was a good family. They didn't do anything wrong. They were good people. And his, you know, I, and I can't remember whether it was his father or his brother or his uncle, but it was his family members. One of them was killed at a checkpoint, and one of the other ones was snatched up and taken to a Bugarab. You know, the, the Americans took him and they took him off. And it was after that that he, he wanted to fight us and kill us. And he wanted to kill all of us until we were gone. Naturally. Yeah. And, and, you know, I look at, I look back at this guy and I've, you know, it's, it stood out whenever it happened, whenever I listened to him, you know, I mean, I was kind of taken back at the guy's anger. Um, but looking back on it now, you know, imagining the roles reversed, I, I can't say that I don't think there would be any Americans that would not do the same. There would be many Americans that would do the exact same thing if a foreign country came and occupied us. Um, it's reminiscent of the Civil War, like North Carolina was reluctant uh, to join the Confederacy until after Lincoln put a blockade on his own state. But some of the very first Northern victories as they went through those island chains, which were pro-Union, they wanted to stay in the United States. They didn't have a large port city and they weren't really affected by the tariff. And they, the North had lost on the field, so they went and grabbed a bunch of pro-union civilians actually naively went out there and baked them pies and things and gone up they grabbed all these people just to have bodies so they could parade them up in dc as a pr stunt in chains to say look at all these southerners we captured and then <laughs> that turned the population in the east against the north uh yeah. and so it, you end up in, the largest recruitment of southern soldiers was after virginia was north carolina and they, <clears> that whole thing could have <throat> been avoided but torturing and, and burning down uh, towns and a lot of a lot of what was happening in these raids too is people have night vision goggles and they would just go in at night and grab somebody when they couldn't see and yep. kick in the doors and there's accusations of they were also using them to spy on Iraqi women and or that so is the rumor and probably that happened too but that <clears throat> you they turned they did every step they could that was wrong like oh you want to win hearts and minds like Bush <laughs> was saying well that's not how you're going to do it. And, of course, that was always a lie. They didn't want to win hearts and mind. They wanted to prolong the conflict for profits for yep. Lockheed Martin and Halliburton and the rest of them. Well, in the time frame that I was there, you know, being there, you know, in, in 2003, you had the, the initial push. And these were the guys that, that actually kind of drove up into the country from Kuwait. And, um, you know, they, they did the, you know, the push from, from Kuwait up to Baghdad. And... Um, after that, you know, it was a – the country was kind of a, the Wild West in a, in, a, in a sense. You know, there was a lot of crazy stuff that would go on. You know, Saddam's army disbanded, so a lot of these guys just dropped their guns and went and left their uniform, went back to their homes. And then they're going to start fighting us, you know, right, rightfully so. I mean, we're in their country to, to a point, you know, that, that's whenever it becomes a, um, you know, guerrilla, guerrilla war or whatever, however you want to call it. Um, but that first deployment from the time that I was there the first time to the time that I was there, you know, from 2004 to 2005, the conflict had changed so much that whenever I left in 2000, cause it, I left at the, in I think December of 2006, December, January, 2006, um, it, I, when I came home, you know, my, the question, even then before I questioned any of this stuff was what the hell are we still doing there? Yeah. You know, the, 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 we had during our during the, my deployment the second time, you know, with they, we had had the elections. We oversaw the elections. We 
I was on a rooftop guarding one of the election sites during the election night where they had, you know, you know everyone's going in there because there was, yeah. um, George, you know, George worry Bush of, had mission accomplished on a carrier. So there. <laughs> he did that pretty early on, too, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they, but, uh, they found Saddam and Decrete or whatever. And they said in a spider hole, but one of the Marines that was actually there said, no, he's on the second floor of a house shooting at us. So I, who knows? He just wanted to paint him to be more cowardly. They have a big trial. They kill a couple of his lawyers. It, it was just, that wasn't a real trial. Yeah. And you had the people that were there, you know, and, and I guess it's probably just like America. You know, half the population hated his guts and half the population, you know, hated our guts. And, and they would have rather have had him. And in a way, you I'm know, sure some hated both. You know, if yeah. uh, somebody invaded the United States, it's not like I'm going to change my mind about Biden, but I'm still going to hate the invasion force. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Saddam, he kept, uh, I mean, people that live in Iraq, I mean, they have a different culture than we do. And um, I wish more people not the understood West. that. Yeah, it's, it's not the West. And, <laughs> right. you know, in, in a way, with the way those people uh, live and what's, you know, we're not the same. It's not the same culture. And you kind of need a strong man to be like, well, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to feed you to the lions. Like, I, I know that's kind of an ugly way to look at it, but there's a lot of people that live in that culture that if you give them that room, they're going to become, you know. Well, America pretty, did pretty, figure that <laughs> out here where I live. Like, they decided, look, we need the Japanese emperor to tell these people what we're telling him because they're not going to listen to us, yeah. but they'll listen to him. That's right. And so they left him alone, and he told he told them to settle down, and they did. But if he said otherwise, they they can't occupy Japan. No. Just... No, because the people are going to be in revolt the entire time, mm -hmm. and I think that's the same thing you've seen in Afghanistan. I mean, I never I never saw Afghanistan. I never got to be in that theater. Um, and the Afghanistan war is completely different than the Iraq war. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it's different in every way, even though it's you know on the other side of the world, kind of in the same area. It's, they have it's been fighting big. for 30-something years. They've been fighting for longer than that. <laughs> Consecutively, I mean, like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they fought Alexander, if you want to go all the way back. But they... Oh, yeah. From the Russian yeah. occupation, and then the Civil War, and the Mujahideen split, and the Northern Alliance all fighting each other, and then the American occupation for 20 years. Since... And, and obviously, I mean, like, you know this, but, you know, we're, we trained those guys to fight the Russians and then they used the same things that we taught them back in the day to fight us. We armed <laughs> those guys too. Oh, yes, was, we did. Yeah, that's the bigger thing. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it was financed yep, through we... BCCI, which was used to create the freedom fighters, which is uh, another word for Al Qaeda. That's right. The, the base, right? The database. <laughs> yep. That's the database of fighters. And they, it was all the diaspora like Salafist groups that bin Laden mustered from all over the Middle East to go to Afghanistan to kill the commie atheist or whatever. And the Russians killed millions, or over a million yeah. and change at least. I mean, they killed, they were ruthless there. Or the Soviets, I should say, not just Russia. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They, they, they definitely were not as uh, PC as we a were lot over of there. Afghanistan speaks Russian today because of how long yeah. they were there. But we killed, we did that. Our, our Afghanistan was Vietnam, and uh, the U.S. killed millions in Vietnam, also based on a lie. Gulf of Tonkin never yeah. happened. But we still have a Vietnam memorial, and I can, hey, we do, I can right? pair that Confederate statues. They're like, what are you lost, traitors, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, you want to get rid of the Vietnam Wall with all those names on it? Because there was no point in attacking Vietnam, and we lost. 
But that's not what the wall represents. It's not, yeah, we killed 2 million Vietnamese, hooray. It's honoring our veterans, 55 to 58,000 dead Americans, most of whom got drafted or were lied to, whatever, put in a war. They probably didn't want to be. And even if they did, so what? You honor that, you know, they thought they were fighting communism or whatever. They were told. Yeah. As as much as I hate war, I I feel for all the veterans that are out there, you know, especially the guys that were combat veterans. And and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, just because you're the military doesn't mean you were, um, it doesn't mean you didn't do anything, but, you know, your individual experience vary dramatically depending on what uh, type of job you had. But, you know, when you get these guys that, you know, I, I kind of worry about so many of these Vietnam or not, excuse me, the Vietnam guys, but the uh, Afghanistan veterans, you know, as, as we pull out of Afghanistan, it's going to say feel the same way to them that it has for a lot of the Iraq veterans where you have all these memories, um, you know, because as an infantry guy, I mean, you're you're walking the streets, you're seeing the people, you're 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 involved in all sorts of crazy things that go on. You see civilians die you see your friends get hurt get killed um and all this time effort blood emotion that you put into it you know you're you're you know you're um and some of the best years of your life yeah and you're away from um, your family and you are you you might but, die but you might mm-hmm. but you, you you do all that and then you watch us just leave it and you wonder what happens to all these kids that you saw and that you walked you know that walked down the streets with you um you know, and, and then on the other side of it, you think about how many trillions of dollars our country spent mm-hmm. financing these wars, you know, and for what, you know, to go over there and mangle these Opium. people and destroy their country. Yeah. You asked, I've talked to a lot of veterans in from Afghanistan and they're, what were you doing? Garden poppy fields. Yeah. It's a 64 billion dollar black budget. There. That's what it is. They're not there to liberate Afghanistan or set up a Western style government or all these trillions of dollars. Where did I think? I'll point this out. Dana Robach, who's bad on other things, but he was good on this one in Afghanistan. He asked in a congressional hearing what our casualties were, and they didn't know. And then he asked, "Okay, well, you spent X amount, of hundreds billion dollars or something at that point. Where are the roads or whatever? It's still dirt roads. It's still exactly like it was when we got there. What are you building, making, or doing with this money?" And, of course, we know what it was. It was military profiteering. Yeah. And by and by of that, course. I don't mean the soldiers. It's the industries involved. It's the I in the MIC that's getting all this money. And then the CIA gets a nice, fat, black budget from the opium trade, which they use to do what? Pay al-Qaeda groups to start that's shit right. in other countries like Syria or Libya. Yeah. Uh, they even had Baluchistani terrorists in Iran. Iran shut that down, but they attempted it. They did assassinate scientists along with the Israelis and all this stuff. You can't go to Congress and say, hey, uh, can we have X number million dollars to pay terrorists? To... <laughs> you can't do that. They'll say no. <laughs> Some of them would I, say I yes. See... Most of them would say no. So they use the drug trade. Yeah. Well, I see some of those memes, you know, where you you see it's like the guy with his hand pointing out and he's pointing the money and, you know, and they, the, the jits of it is, uh, you know, they – they're labeling, you know, these people in America, you know, terrorists, you know, and he's looking across at the table at the CIA. He's like, you know, where's my guns and money? You know, if I'm a terrorist, you know, where's it at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not like, why, yet. I was a real terrorist. Why isn't the CIA paying me? <laughs> That's right. Where's of my, course. 
where's my brand new Toyota Hilux trucks and, uh, yep. you know, my gun mounts and things from Purple Shovel or whatever, you know. Nah. Well, you, you look at what's going on in, in Afghan Afghanistan right now, and you're seeing these guys that you know the uh, the Taliban just the the people that we train. They're just shout out to awesome shit. wife, it, by the way. Just sends brings breakfast. Here's me. <laughs> there you go. No, you're right about the the Taliban too. How many times have we seen some idiot from Congress confuse the Taliban and Al Qaeda? They were like, "That's yeah. who hit us on 9/11." No, it isn't. It, all the only connection Afghanistan had to nine eleven was some Al Qaeda people allegedly trained there on their monkey bars or whatever in that location. Yeah. Right, and then Osama was hiding out in Pakistan, as Ron Paul correctly predicted. <laughs> yeah. He's probably right there I, on that border. He's probably in Pakistan. He was dead right. Yeah. It's a it's a shame, you know, when you really look at all of it. And I mean that's the way I look at it now. I mean I'm very anti-war. I can't, um, I can't stop. I mean it just it, it makes me angry whenever I think about it. The, and and the thing that makes me angry, I guess the way that it really affects me is that had I not done the things that I did and saw the things that I that I did, experienced it, um, been around the people that it affected, and then watched that and saw what that what that felt like and how that felt coming home to, to see, you know, you go off and you do these things in a foreign country and you come back to America and people are completely oblivious. They're, they're caught in their daily routine, staring at a screen, watching TV. I mean, smartphones weren't a, weren't a thing back then, but, but they don't know, bring it up completely. Like, no, as a, no. as a civilian on the other side, I was in college when the Iraq war started. I also protested it, lobbied against it. Mm -hmm wrote for the paper i did what i could do i had a little dinky website and stuff but um i was you know we go we invade there's occupation now i'm sitting there i'm reading antiwar.com and all the all the other mike mike rivero and stuff who are writing about this and there's casualties every day it's like one or two dead americans every day a lot of it thanks to blackwater hitting the hornet's nest we'll talk about that in a second but on television, nothing. It was Bush said, mission accomplished, war's over, out of sight, out of mind. But in my mind, I go, no, there's this massive occupation, and I know what's going on here, yep. here, and here from, thankfully, from the internet. Uh, but they, uh, most people didn't see that. Your basic couch potatoes come home and like, well, that was a nice war over in three yeah. months. No big deal. And had no clue that people were getting killed every single day, and there was this large... Yep. Uh, urban warfare, guerrilla warfare, whatever you want to say, because of our military yep. occupation, imprisonment, and torture, and all the mistakes we were making, and you know, get getting rid of uh, <laughs> getting rid of their guard and the Republican guard, and it, it's just like, oh, great, you know. And then they started paying one faction to fight another. They started fostering sectarian violence between oh Sunni yes Sunnis yeah and they would kill and, yeah, the police and all that shit and there's oh, this my huge God. story where some british operatives who were they're british guys dressed up like iraqis it was like a wedding or something they dressed up i don't remember which faction sunni maybe they were dressed as sunni and they attacked a shia or whatever and yeah. they got arrested and the brits used a armored vehicle and a tank to knock down the wall of the jail and yep. get them out i know i know exactly what you're talking about you know, something it, it's it's crazy to see that the things that went on over there and what we did to these people, and, and it wasn't just us. I mean, 
whenever I first got to Iraq, my first deployment, you know, one of the things that we saw from the guys, because I think it was the 82nd Airborne was at the base. We were, we were at this uh, base called Fob St. Michael. And, um, and this was in Mamadia, Iraq. Um, but they, you know, some of these dudes, you know, they're showing us photographs and, and things like that. But one of the things that happened not too far from where we were was a bunch of Spanish guys got caught. You know, and they tortured these dudes to death, and they had photographs of them when they found them. You know, and it was, it was ugly to see. You know, both sides. You know, um, but again, when I look at it, when I look at it from an an open perspective, um, these dudes invaded someone else's country, and yeah. the people in that country didn't want it, and they were taking it out on the people they could get their hands on. They hired um, El Salvadorian death squads again, right? Yeah. Is that um, happened in Iran Contra. People know about financing, or well, they ought to know about financing the Contras to fight the Santanistas, but there was El Salvadorian death squads in Nicaragua, too. Br brutal, fucking, relentless uh, cartel types that had been trained by the School of the Americas, as they called it back then, <laughs> in Honduras. And they're just used as cannon fodder. And they, the same people, some of them are still alive. Or still, you know, just advanced in ribbons or whatever, end up in Iraq. Yeah. And some of them got their comeuppance too, because the Iraqis uh, found a way to get them. <laughs> I guess, but yeah. You can't. You can't. I mean, you can't say like, well, what would you do if someone's in your I nation? I can't fault them. Nope. I mean, that's the thing. Like looking back on it, you know, I I don't. Um, again, like I I love my veteran. You know, the, the veterans that went there and did it because they were just like me. You know, you're not there intentionally trying to do these ugly things at, the, at that point in your life i don't i didn't know anyone who was there that understood the real reasons that we were there and even if you're you know super patriotic in the center which most of you most of you are i mean you're you're in the military um you're not there fighting for america and you know that uh you're there fighting for each other you know, the guy to right. your left and the right. Exactly. You know, the dude, you know, these dudes who are like your brothers. I mean, they're, you, you've, you've spent a lot of time together and you live with each other day in and day out the entire time you're there. I mean, it's a it very, gets to the point uh, where like, we need to survive so we can go home. That's it. That is, that is your main, mm -hmm. that's your main goal is, is, you know, your ticket out and going back home and not having to go do it again. We had a shekel chat uh, come in from Sal who says, no more Americans dying for Zionist cowards that only kill women and children. <laughs> and that the truth amen who are those zionist cowards that kill women and children i wonder 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 i, yeah. I wonder mm -hmm. yeah is it is it isn't real maybe it, it might be it's that little country that keeps bombing their neighbors yet yeah you know like constantly I, I think they're attacking syria like on a weekly basis right you know, for some reason we don't see that in the american that's media. not an act of war israel's allowed no. to bomb their neighbors without yeah. any consequence Anon E. Musk just dropped in uh, two dead ja two Jacksons to say uh, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you always, uh, Anon, for your shekel chats. Yeah. And you too, Sal, for the dead Lincoln you sent. Fire Pixie's in here. She was ranting something. Hold on. Semper Fi. Yeah, always faithful. I think her... Um, <laughs> I like six imperterrorists, but her—I think her brother was over there with you. Yeah. Well, you know what, and, and you know, Marines really know their history because that's part of being a Marine. You're, you're, you're proud of it. You're this, that, and the other. But as I 
came to the awareness, you know, that war is bullshit and, you know, these are all bankers' wars or uh, something ugly. It's not what we're told it was. The funniest part of it is when you're in boot camp, one of the men you learn about is Smedley Butler yes. because he won two medals of honor. His anniversary they don't was tell yesterday. You that, yeah, but they, they don't tell you he wrote that book, War is a Racket. Mm-hmm. And, and when you <laughs> – it's a little book. It's easy to read. I mean, you can read it in an hour. Um, but you, you look at it and you realize, like, man – you know, coming from a dude who had that kind of, a, you know, a major general in the Marine Corps, two medals of honor, and he wrote a book that said war is a racket. Um, it's, it is it is uh, telling. Uh, but it's a must-read. It's up, you know, after the manifesto, that's like the second thing you got to read. Yeah. Right there. Sal it's just popped in with 25 and said, God bless you both. Thank you. So that's 30 yeah, for Sal, you. by the way. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's Medley Brother. Um, There's an article about him on antiwar.com yesterday, too. And war is a racket. And Eisenhower put it pretty elegantly. As did George Washington, actually. But uh, Eisenhower is more, you know, is on film. So his his MIC speech and his farewell address is very telling. And he saw it as that rather than fighting for a particular resource like gold or um, tea or opium or silver or whatever the fighting is the resource because it involves so much in mechanized warfare that these companies are making bank and if they can gang up on some third world country or second world country well we won't have that many casualties whatever not a lot of skin in the game but look at what we can make for Raytheon and Northrop Grunman and and uh, and Boeing and Lockheed and and General Dynamics and uh, Bechtel and we're going to make billions of dollars Dude, they're that, drooling that, like that big pharma every time there's a new disease absolutely when i when i look at you you just got to think i mean people never saw this but to think about the amount of money that was spent overseas you know and the things that i saw for, from the from the first time i was in iraq from 2004 to 2005 in 2004 we loaded our humvees that we had in camp lejeune onto boats in wilmington and they floated them over there and then we drove them from Kuwait up into Iraq. And when we got to Kuwait, we put this jerry-rigged armor on our trucks, you know, just to give us something. And at that point in time, IEDs weren't super big, you know, like they, they had not mastered this idea yet. Or they it was not nearly as common as it was later on. But then the second time we get there, every vehicle that you have is an up-armored vehicle. You know, so, so to think how much money they spent... You know, equipping all of these units to have all of these vehicles and, and what it would take. I mean, it's it's a tremendous effort, you know. And, and the thing that's so crazy, too, is that you spend all this money to, to use these things and then we leave them there. You know, it, it, it's because they knew two of the up. guys in R&D for Minesweepers. And, ma'am, they're yeah. psychopaths. They're just like... <laughs> Walking into them, yeah, I would never want to do something like that. That's, but you know, if you no, get no, no, not, by... not the minesweepers, like the guys designing the equipment to sweep mines. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. They had all kinds of goofy yeah. ideas, like hovercrafts and all this stuff. I'm like, that's not gonna work. 
Well, I, I mean, I, in, a, in, a, in a kind of a sick side of a, of a way, you know, in all honesty, you know, when you're over there, there's like a lot of different, you know, it, there's a lot of different ways to die, you know, but it, the, probably the best way would be to get blown up because you don't feel it. It's just over before you know it. I mean, you're, I've been IED, you know, I've, I've been in IEDs before where the, you know, they, you, you get the roadside bomb that blows up, you know, on your truck, you know, and if you're lucky, it's far enough away that it doesn't hurt you. And most of the guys were dumb. They would take, you know, normally what an IED was, was a, an artillery shell, a 155 shell, and they would uh, take the fuse out of it and make a, you know, an, an improvised explosive, an, imp- an improvised initiation set. And most of the time they'd use a, they could use cell phones, they could use, you know, uh, any kind of an electric thing that sends a signal from one to the other. They can amplify it up to a, to a you know, a blasting cap and a little bit of a, you know, a, a booster charge inside of these things. But whenever they would sit the 155 round sideways on the, the, the road, you know, uh, artillery rounds designed to come down and hit the ground like this and explode outward. Mm-hmm. So when you sit it down on the ground, oh, it God, tamps it and it causes like a ring, you know, and as long as you're not directly in that ring, you're probably going to be all right. Um, but yeah, you get blown up, you know, when you're driving beside one, it still sucks. It gives you, you know, you get like a, a pretty impressive concussion, but it's over before you ever knew what happened. You know I mean? Like it, it, you're done. It's done and over with. And you're like, whoa, what the hell? You know, and then you knew what it is, but it's uh, it's an experience. It, it definitely is. I have a friend. He comes to the anti-APAC things every year, and half his face is burned and from nope. an IED. But it wasn't what did it. Like the Jeep or whatever flipped over on his legs, and nope. man, he survived. But his face is all burned. He is hardcore anti-war. Um, yep knows it was bullshit and he's been digging into the past of other wars and you know you were saying marines know their history and stuff i agree like, military people tend to know and they tend to come from military families like they have a father or grandfather or great-grandfather or uncles or something they all did military service was that your case or were you a N- no um well and, and there's kind of an interesting story the only person in my family that that serves in the military is my great uncle that, that i'm aware you know like the other people that i would have known i never knew my great uncle on my dad's side of the family, um, he served in World War II, and he was in the uh, he was a by the stories that my grandfather told me, I didn't understand what it was at the time, but my grand my great uncle was a machine gunner who carried a uh, Browning 1919, you know, 30 caliber belt fed machine gun uh, in Europe, and um, he had a God the man my my grandfather uh, I remember the stories that he would tell me about him, and my dad's told me the stories that you know my grandfather told him. Um, cause he would only talk about it whenever he was like drunk and my grandfather was the one who kind of took care of him whenever he was like that. But the, the things that he had to do, um, which if I'm being honest, they were war crimes cause I know exactly what they were. Um, and it was just what these guys were asked to do. You know, you ca- you take prisoners and it, you, you capture prisoners. You don't have time to do anything with them. And they tell you to take them back over there and machine gun these dudes that look just like you just because you don't want to do it. That was my own family, you know, and that's mm. crazy to think about that. But I could not imagine the nightmares that that man had to have had having seen and done that. One of my but grandfathers myself, was island hopping uh, in the Pacific yeah. Theater, and he had the onerous task of being the flamethrower guy that torched the holes. Hey, he was an assaultman, yeah. and that's what I was. Yeah, you know, there's a reason we didn't ever take any prisoners in those island campaigns. It wasn't because those dudes didn't surrender. It's because they murked them all because they were on an island and no one could get off. Well, yeah, also there was no um, 
they didn't have a jail or anything to put them in. They were going to put them on the nope. boat. Like, they, nope. um, yeah, he had to flamethrower their whole, their foxholes, I guess you could say, and tunnels and things. I, he got shot in the leg. Nope. Uh, I survived, though, obviously, because I'm here, but... But myself, no, I, I didn't come from it. I, I, I genuinely, whenever I look back and reflect on it all, I, I do think it was, you know, young, young me finding these encyclopedias, this 25 volume illustrated encyclopedia of World War II. I, I still have the original versions of them, the original ones that my grandparents had. And then as an adult, I found, went out and bought them because they were from like the early 70s, like 1973, something like that. And um, it was me looking through those. Um, all those pictures because war is such a um when you see the photographs of it you realize how big it is and you know the second world war to me in my opinion is is really the war that <clears throat> shifted everything that we see about the modern world today and it put a lot of power in place and changed a lot of social things and established narratives that um still hold control today but but either way it was those books you know as a kid me reading them um i think those were gave me that desire to to i guess do something you know as a little kid you just think it's cool or heroic or whatever you you know you want to be a mechanic or drive fast cars or join the military or be a football player or whatever you know i mean that's like a little boy i mean that's 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 the, the direction that i went um but yeah i didn't have a family history of it it was just something that i wanted to do we got some shekel chats uh some random things voluntarist says is ottoman from marvel or dc that's dc mike taylor says thanks y'all for uh waking people up to the ugly truth thank you for your shekels jay lamb says uh just want to say thank you for all your work rye found you a couple months ago and i've been monitoring all your vids since well, that's odd because most people lost me a few months ago because I've been banned on uh, my main YouTube channel. I used to have 81,000 followers. That got canned. I also got kicked off Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Coinbase, Vimeo, PayPal, Patreon, you name it. I've been banned because we're anti-war. You're not allowed to do that. And I guess I was being effective because they really hammered me. Voluntarist for Five says more veterans against the wars hearing it from them can help others become anti-war and pro-peace. Yep. Yeah, because there is a little Absolutely. bit of machismo for young guys feel like they need to be anti-war or be pro-war because not supporting the war means they're cowardly or scared <clears throat> or something, and that's just ridiculous. I mean, like, if there's a real war, war, like, I don't know, China invades Taiwan or hits, tries to attack the U.S. or something, that's different. But the wars we actually have, like the Iraq War or blowing the piss out of Libya, that, that was pointless and not in American interest. We are serving Israeli interests. And I'm not saying it's good if it was in American interest. You can't just go steal shit from people. <clears throat> but it's not even in American interest. That's the saddest thing. There is a sort of corporate conglomerate that benefits, I suppose. But these are in Israeli strategic interests. And not the U.S. It actually goes against U.S. interests. And that's why we're in these wars. We would not have yep. sanctions in Iran if it wasn't for Israel. We would not have invaded Iraq twice. And we wouldn't have a proxy war in Syria. 
These are Israel's enemies, Israel's policy papers, and Israeli lies that took us into all these conflicts, and Zionist media that promoted all these conflicts. Now you're seeing that Zog on uh, social media. Facebook and all the rest of them have fallen in line. And you can't criticize, you know, just it's that old quote to learn who rules over you, see who you can't criticize. And we know who that is. Did did you hear that Deborah Libstadt was uh, given that position of the uh, the envoy of anti semitism in America? That was uh, what a great choice. Yeah, look, you can, look, people. <laughs> I don't. What they're calling anti semitic is is code for anybody that opposes Israeli state at all, right? Absolutely. There are very few people that just hate Jays, just irrationally. I don't no. like that. What are you talking about? All, by and large, despite what the media would have you try to think, America is not a racist country. It's not no. a bigoted country. I think it's the most militantly anti-racist place in the world. Like you'll get yep. more trouble from just the accusation of racism will get you fired, you know, ostracized, kicked out of school, maybe thrown off your bank, whatever. You could rape somebody, and you would have a better career path than if you were yep. someone calling you a rapist would not affect you as much as racist. Like, forget going to college, forget having any kind of employment. If you're labeled a racist, you might as well have raped a baby. I mean, it's it's like yep. the worst thing in the world in America to be a racist. And that's why it's so weaponized. You can just... See, if you murder someone, there has to be a person that died. If you rape someone, there has to be a person that got raped. But racism, there doesn't have to be a victim. So it's just, you can just say that about anybody, whenever, and how are they to prove otherwise? Right, and the accusation—it's all you need to do is accuse, and you can ruin someone's life. Yep. You can completely get them kicked off of payment platforms and censored on everything, and lose their job and so forth, just by saying anti-Semite. So, really, the defamation needs to be looked at these false accusations of bigotry and racism, because that's what's destroying people's lives. If someone called me the N-word, it. Even if I was black, that doesn't really do anything to me. It would ruin them, though. The other N-word is Nazi. So you call somebody that, and like the one being called is yep. the one that's going down, the one saying Nazi about everybody. Nothing happens to that person. And it's just the she's a witch, she looks like one kind of attitude. It's like, just go around and say it enough times and wreck a bunch of people, and they get off on it. Some little weenie group has figured out that they can have power if they run around screaming racism. So that is a way that they can get, you know, take people down a peg who are better than them in every way, successful yep. in their life, better looking, stronger, all that. And they can be like, yeah, well, I'll just call you racist. And that's it. <laughs> but then, so you see uh, Corey Bush hired private <laughs> security for herself, $200,000 or something. And she, and she basically <laughs> said, yeah, but I need to protect myself so I could go do yeah. my important work. A.I.E. Yep. I'm more important than you. Just like Nancy Pelosi when she got her hair done without a mask on and stuff. Like, I have to get a haircut. I'm on TV. <laughs> those, Cal those California Democrats, man, they're important people. Yeah, you know, the exactly. Rules, they don't apply to them. Maxine you know, Waters. I'm more important than you plebs. Oh, the little yeah. people. You know, Nancy's sitting there in her castle eating ice cream. Yep. 
they're having dinner parties and stuff. Gavin Newsman had a big dinner party, a big birthday party, nobody wearing masks. They're all, <laughs> they're fucking laughing at you. They're not really worried about COVID or any of that. They're using it as an excuse. Like, we need to mask up and shut down businesses and da da. And I'll tell you what that they're doing. They're shutting down businesses, getting people addicted to COVID checks so they become dependent on the government. In which case, if you get out of line, they just turn your check off and now you're screwed so you won't get out of line. The second thing is they are allowing things like BlackRock to go around and buy up all this property for pennies on the dollar at nearly zero interest loans so they can have a monopoly and be the lords and peasants of old where a small group of people own all the land and rental properties and the rest of you peons, you uh, potato picking lettuce heads or whatever, be sitting there getting your welfare check and living on the on the land of BlackRock. With Larry hey, Fink. live in your pod and eat your bug. Yeah, just sit there, just be happy with your fucking minimal uh, UBI or whatever the hell it is. And, you know, watch your Netflix and get stoned or whatever and don't bother the state. They're going to rule over you. That's right. It's just, and you're going to like yeah, it. Yeah, and you're going to fucking enforce it. You're going to tell on your neighbors and be like, he's not wearing a mask. Or he's only wearing one mask. And here's, I'll give you another one in my crystal ball. This is sucks. You're not going to hear this, but. What's going to happen is, it's already happened in New York City, COVID passports, right? That will right. happen in Los Angeles, guaranteed. And what people do is they'll just go fake the passport card. They'll go get a bunch of fake COVID passports and use those. And then, of course, the variants or whatever continue to spread. They're all obsessed with cases, not deaths, right? There's more cases. Yep. Like, if there's more cases without deaths, doesn't that mean it's not that big a deal? <laughs> whatever. And they'll say, well, they're faking the cards, so we're going to have to have a better way of measuring this. We're going to need barcodes or microchips or something. Maybe put mm. it in your hand. You think that's crazy, but remember when they said two weeks and Pug and I were laughing? Go, there is no end yeah. to this. This is just how we live now. No. COVID is not yep. going anywhere. And the Democrats have to have it for the 2022 election. Have to. They've got no other issue. Defunding the police boomerang right back in their face higher crime rates yep. looting all that yes it is right they they opened the border so all the illegals came in they said they weren't going to do that he said he wasn't going to end fracking and the first day first day in the pipeline ended fracking opened the border did all the radical left's agenda started defunding the police and tried to get rid of voter id and actually but did we're get, so scared yeah. of covid but we let the border stay right, open, right? we let, let unmasked people, people from the border come in because they vote democrat of course. <laughs> and then you've got all these yankees moving to southern states that have freedom texas florida mississippi yep. the carolinas are saying you can come here but can you please leave your dumb ideas behind because you're gonna ruin Absolutely. us like you ruin wherever you came from pensioners man so many of them well, it's, yeah, but it's like families, like, so where I'm from in the Outer Banks, because they didn't have school, like New Jersey and stuff, they just closed, they just didn't have school. They did Zoom classes on their tablets yep, or whatever. Of course. So they would just yep. come down to North Carolina to their second or third home on their beach house or something, and uh, their kids would sit on the porch and do their Zoom class for two hours and then go to the beach the rest of the day. Um, yep. like, Because the only thing that tied them to the North is that's where their school was or that's where their work was well their kids aren't in school and they don't have to go to work they're getting covid money so what they do they went on vacation and then they're hanging around going you know what i really like it here i think we'll move here 
And we're like, no, 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 no. New York, reopen, please. Take them back. Because <laughs> they go, they'll go into the store. There's like 15 of them because it's like them, their grandparents, their kids are all there together. I'm like, can't just one of you go to the store and get the stuff for the rest of you? Oh. Whatever, but Yeah. And they bring yeah, this... the beach never closed in COVID. You know, it stayed open. It, I think they, they closed did it for a bird, the... but they didn't close it for the virus. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't. I mean, they, it, I think officially the governor did close it, but the, you know, Hatteras is a special place. We're like, whatever. Yeah. You don't have any jurisdiction here. We're just going anyway. So I ignored the park service the whole time too. When they closed the beach, I go out there. They get a t- I get a ticket. I just throw it in the water. You know, I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> This is the beach, and yep. you cannot close the outside. Outside belongs to everybody. Right. This video is of me grilling those bastards that are still floating around <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> I think the NPS in- have to wear bright pink uniforms so we can identify them more easily. No, I see them coming, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> they're out there shooting foxes and raccoons and stuff. Like they're predator control. I was like, so killing animals, right? Uh, great, y'all are yeah. great. Uh, Talk about, because um, the title of this video, I think I titled it, um, Vigilant Resolve, which was yeah, the, man, the let's first get into assault the, let's get into on the Fallujah. Of, uh, and this is some Iraq. crazy shit. Let me check the big arena before we, we get into all yeah. this. Uh, let's see. We did get some. More veteran. Uh, Sal says, I'm only joining our army. Is when we are ready to liberate Americans from Zionist occupation. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good call. So, you know, you'd actually be defending the country. Pat Buchanan said it best with uh, Congress is uh, Israeli occupied. It's true. It is. Netanyahu came 100%. and got a 55 standing ovations with Obama not even there. He went to the American Congress directly like I'm the real president here and just started mm. talking and getting they're all applauding and stuff. Obama had to be yep. seating. With that, he's like, "You're not. You're a fucking figurehead. I'm the leader." Nope. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if our leader just went to to Knesset and just started doing that, and Netanyahu <laughs> yeah. wasn't even present? You know, no way. Yeah, when he wasn't invited by the president in the first place. Yeah, that was a flex know? on the whole world. They're like, "This is America. It sure was strongest country in the world, biggest market, biggest military." I'm gonna walk right into D.C. in the Capitol. And I'm going to have them not just clapping, but standing up and, oh, yeah, Netanyahu, 55 right. fucking times. What did Sharon say? Sharon had a Yeah, had a uh, don't worry about America. I can move America. They're going to be moved that's easily. Right. That's mm-hmm. right. When you control the media, you control America. That's what it and is. They got the media. Yeah. Jeff Zucker and the rest of them. You can go look it up yourself. Yes, you can uh, find out who the bosses of the media are. And it's not left-handed that's Eskimo. Wh- no. And that's you know, and and I'll get into that in a minute. You know, after I after I talk about all the uh, the Iraq stuff, you know, I'll, I'll I can go into what actually really lit the fire under my ass. Because there is no Iraq stuff funny. without the media. Let me. I got three nope. shekel chats, and I'll give you the floor about yeah, Fallujah. Uh, or I have two voluntarists for three. Says Sunni Taliban, Shia, Al Qaeda, Wahhabi, Mujahideen. What's the difference? Bomb them all. This war is for peace and freedom. Okay, neocon. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> you forgot Kurds and uh, yeah, Towelhead or whatever else they were calling them, like sand oh, yeah. nibs and stuff. Fire Pixie for right. ten says Simper Fi Marine, thank you, sir, and fuck Israel with a cactus. And then she sends three, ca- she go. sends three cactuses and a rainbow frog. <laughs> That's a redhead for sure. 
That's it, man. Guarantee. No, I like yeah, that one. Triple cactus. <laughs> I started on my Zoom calls. I couldn't say Ryan Dawson because it'll get banned. So I just said my name is Fuck Israel with a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, man. I'm thinking about having a shirt that just has a cactus on it, and, you know, if I'm wearing it, people know exactly what it means. (laughs) I I would, yeah, absolutely. That's pretty good. I like that's a good statement. Fuck Israel with a cactus. cactus, Exactly. Go fuck a cactus. I want people on Twitter, because you can't say things on Twitter, but when some Zionist is just doing whatever, blah, 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 just post pictures of cactus underneath their posts. Just (laughs) just have a picture of a cactus, and those in the know will get it. That's popping right now. That's (laughs) right. Cactus are popping. Pop, pop. (laughs) Hashtag cactus. Hashtag cactus. Giant cactus. (laughs) Giant cactus. They're long and prickly. Holy shit. If you had a policy, you know, if you had to pick three people to fuck a cactus, you can only get three. Now, this is for chat, too. Chat, if you're listening, you get three people who have to fuck a cactus. Um... You know mine. One is Fauci. One is Richard Pearl. Uh, third, I'm going to say uh, Pelosi. So Pelosi, yeah. Pearl, and Fauci. F- go fuck a cactus. Um, <laughs> what What are your choices, y'all? This I'm going to list. You can give me one name or three, but like those. Fauci needs to get hit with a frozen tuna. Just that guy is the one that spread that AIDS medica- medication that actually gave people blood clots and destroyed the red blood cells and killed people. And then he's you know, still I'm in a, charge. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a gun, I'm a gun advocate. I like firearms. And uh, I'd have to say that, that I think his name's Chippen, the, the guy they're trying to nominate for the ATF head. He's uh, the dude who is... Uh, Schumer, and, you too. Know, there's pictures of... Pictures of him at Waco, you know, posing with the charred remains oh my God. of the people that they that they you know murdered there. That's a good choice. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'd like to see him get fucked with the yeah, cactus. Yeah, both sides, both For holes. Sure. Um, yep. All right, that's a good one. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Henry Kissinger, he's still alive. So, He'll be going you know, out soon, anyway. That could be the way he goes out, though. <laughs> Sorry, so the chat said uh, Hillary Pelosi Schumer. Oh, those are all good choices. Fire Pixie just writes Schumer in all caps. <laughs> yep. Fauci, Frozen Tuna, and Cactus. Uh, <laughs> you can fuck him with the Frozen Tuna, too. <laughs> Kamala Harris, Sasha Cohen, Vosh, Greenblatt, uh, Vosh, Hillary. So a few Hillary's and Pelosi's in there and Fauci's. Yeah, yeah. Good choices. Yeah, Sasha Cohen would be a good one, you know. That would be some he, uh, some comedic nah, justice for all it. the bullshit that he does. He probably would. He's done that already. <laughs> Don, Don Lemon, Potato Head, and Chris Cuomo. <laughs> yeah, let the women have the cactus part. Oh, wait, hold on. Glenn Maxwell. I, I'm oh, swap yeah. in her for one of my yeah. choices. She needs it. Lori Lightfoot. Oh, yes. God damn. I don't know if she'd even notice. She could hold E.T.'s hand. She you know? <laughs> they could have a twins photo while they're doing She looks doing like it. the Magikarp from Pokemon. <laughs> like the fish that flops with the big eyes or like a, yep. a yeah, burnt yeah, yeah. Beetlejuice maybe. Yeah. I've heard Beetlejuice and uh, there's there's a picture I've seen of her and uh, E.T. E.T. <laughs> there's a, an incredible likeness between the two of them. You know? Yep. Yeah, but E.T. is cool. <laughs> I don't know. 
I, I remember E.T. as a kid. He man. is. Uh, I, I remember going to Disney. Yoda's World cousin, they say. And going to E.T. the expo, you know, or whatever it was. Dude, Eminem fucking there, missed cool. the uh, mark when they didn't allow them. They, they were going to use M&M's instead of Reese's Pieces and E.T. And uh, mm-hmm. Eminem, Marge said no for some reason, so they went with Reese's Pieces. And through the 80s, man, Reese's Pieces, Reese's Pieces, that was the thing. And kids started, you know, yeah. that was Eminem's rival for a while. I'd say that I actually like M&M's better than Reese's on the on the for real anyway. But there's so many different M&M's now. Uh, yeah, I guess they've expanded their market. Kit Kat did the same thing. You know, they've got their peanut butter ones mm-hmm. now. So yeah, it's, Reese's is not as big as M&M's by far. But it no. was the peanut butter cups is where they make their money more than the little M&M like things. But yep. But uh, they had a nice bump from E.T. because Elliot led the. Use Reese's Pieces to get them, and ET is going Reese's Pieces, Reese's Pieces. They they had ET say <laughs> the brand name over and over again just to rub it in Eminem's face. Like, why would you not want to? They were scared. Oh, it's an alien. This might gross people out. He's eating our candy, whatever their idea was, but they were wrong. So we got more yep. coming in. Jeffrey Epstein. He's already dead, but he should still fuck a cactus. <laughs> Another one on Lightfoot. Uh, Chip. <laughs> Chip just stopped. Larry Elder is with APAC, unfortunately. Rosenthal. <laughs> Rosen's flat would be better. Deborah Lipstadt. Shank from the Young Turks. Did he really name yeah. something the Young Turks? Is he oblivious to, to history or covering it up? I don't know. We've got uh, Barbara Spector. Shrek. Oh. Um, Pollard. Yeah, Jonathan Pollard. <laughs> <laughs> Someone wrote Nader and Shift. I think he meant Nadler. Ralph Nader's good. Uh, I think he meant Nadler. He shit himself, didn't he? He's like waddling off like Humpty Dumpty, like, oh, poop my pants. Oh, I remember seeing that. Yep, yep, yep. He sure did because he's, yeah, he's that round. He's he's really round, you know. And then you got pencil neck Shift, you know. He's a shifty character. That guy's such a fucking liar. He's got his crocodile tears about the Capitol riots. I was so afraid of the grandma with a paper American flag walking at me at one and a half miles an hour. Yeah, he pooped himself. Schiff. Yeah, he did. I don't know. I'm going to stick with Pelosi, Maxwell, and Pearl. Um, They all need it. I saw Pearl. I I think it was Pearl that was... It was one of of these neocons that was... um, Kvetching about uh, Tucker Carlson, he went over to Hungary and um, was looking at the uh, you know the situation that they have with their border and how they're taking care of it. You know, yeah. and he was having having a fit about it. But he was one of the uh, one of those Iraq War one architects. Old, old I just school can't... neocons. It could have been. It could have, it's either thing. Crystal or Pearl. Pearl's not really in the I media think it was so much. It's probably Crystal. Yeah, it was Bill Crystal. He is going to debate Scott Horton. I think in October or something. It was supposed to happen before. That'll be worth Dude. watching. <laughs> Scott will destroy him. Yes, sir. Sort of Jonathan Pilger already did. He's stating facts, and, and Crystal's just like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> These are This is just true, you dumb fuck. That's a, that's a great retort right there. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling a, a world-renowned journalist who's t- giving you the facts of all these U.S. interventions, you're like, what, what are you talking about? God, if if you're offended, blame your own ignorance. That's one of my sayings. But that's 
that That's fits it. with these yes, people. He's one of the dumb ones. Like, Pearl is just evil. Crystal's dumb and evil. Fife is just so dumb. I don't even know if he... Fife and Rumsfeld... Rumsfeld's dead, so have rum on ice. But uh, Doug Fife's just a Muppet. And <laughs> the best lines... I put it in War by Deception for no reason other than comedy. Was when Lawrence Wilkerson was so, said, Douglas Fife. Some people call him the dumbest man they've ever met. He goes, seldom in my life. Have I met a dumber man? <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's trying not to f bomb his stuff because we call him the dumbest blankety blank in the world. He goes, tell him. Yeah. You know, I need that clip. I need to just play that clip as the ending of all my videos for no reason. <laughs> just, here's Lawrence Wilkerson talking about Douglas Fife. I met him a couple times. Lawrence, not uh, Fife, because uh, I'm yeah, not yeah, in jail. Yeah. He actually taught at William and Mary, like, right after I left. He was there in the summer while I was still in Williamsburg, and he had, I guess he started with, like, a summer school thing, and then he got to his regular course. And, uh, oh, man, I almost wish I'd, like, not had enough credit so I could have <laughs> taken that. Had an extra yeah, semester, I would right? love to have a course with, just with Lawrence Wilkerson, just to stay in school and, and be in his class. That would have been great. Because we had some like neocon professors there too, and uh, yeah, he balanced it out. Colin Powell went to, or Colin Powell's son went to William and Mary, head of the FCC. Not proud of that. <laughs> so did John Stewart. <laughs> he was my commencement speaker. Yeah. No joke. You know what got him there? He didn't even care about the school so much. It was his soccer coach that he liked, and that's who got him to come speak. <laughs> But man, a college campus—if you got the head of Comedy Central, that's like Jesus to the, you know, to college. Well, that's kids. where those people get their news from, yeah. man. You know, that's that they, they believe what they're getting shoved down their throats. It's it's fed to them. They and, don't understand. Uh, Late night comedians are yeah. part of the propaganda. I mean, that's, of course, yeah. they are. People in America don't think they're subject to propaganda. Period. I think more people are today than they used to be. I, I think this COVID thing has has really awoken a lot of people to, hey, man, they're they're really trying. They're, there's two sides to a story, and they're really trying to shut one of them down. They're going to look I back think a lot more people... at Trump saying fake news, and we can't let the yes, uh, cure be worse than the problem, all that, and go, you know what? He was right. Yes, he was. You know, it's just like Sarah Palin Trump had came his faults, out but there saying... were some things that he did that was right. You he know? did. Some things he said that he was on point. He did a know? lot of stupid stuff, but they didn't criticize him on that. They criticized nope. him on all the identitarian nonsense or whatever, so... Anyway, let's uh, I'm gonna get these and let's talk about Fallujah because they gotta hear that story let's about uh, yeah, the bridge and the scope for sure. Jay Lamb says, "How the fuck do these politician fossils with one foot in the grave stay in power so this damn long?" Money and APAC. Vol that's the short answer. Voluntarist says we cannot wait for the smoking gun, which could come in the form of a mushroom cloud. Are you scared enough yet? Ready to rally behind our leader and support unjust wars? Condoleezza <laughs> Rice, right? We, you know, the smoking gun could come in the form of a mushroom cloud. The hell are you on about? And Tim Russert lied about that. Dick Cheney lied about it. Obviously, you know, he said the same thing. He said Saddam reconstituted his nuclear weapons program when he hadn't. Um. You know, and Robert Novak actually called them out on that. Unfortunately, he and Russert both died months later. And, yep. and they killed David Kelly and da-da-da-da. 
I'm having flashbacks of my Iraq coverage. Well, they're so worried about Iran, you know, getting their uh, their fizzle oh material. Can I that again, show you know, people something? Uh, you're right, and I'm glad you brought that up because they're always weeks away, right? It's always yes, six months away or, or whatever <laughs> yeah, from getting an, a nuclear <laughs> weapon, and it's been like that for a decade at least. And I have a photo because it's in the new mech film. Let me grab. Ooh. Yeah. Because the new Mac, I wanted to show, like, Israel stole nuclear weapons from the United States, and yet... Yes, they did. Uh, with Iran, it's like, oh, yeah, they might have one, they might have one. And the Israelis got it, and they got it from stealing it from the... And they stole it from us, yes, right. sir. <laughs> Let's see, I, I saved it from Skype. Let's see if I can pull this picture in here. I think my audience is well aware, but I just want to show you that, yep. you know, people took the time to actually go through... Twitter and find these so we're gonna show here all right so you can see 2009 Iran could have a nuclear bomb by 2010 study warns Iran will amass enough low enriched uranium this year to have blah 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 lie 2015 Netanyahu with 190,000 centrifuges Iran could have enough enriched uranium for an entire nuclear arsenal within weeks 2020 u.s believes iran may have enough fissile material for a nuclear bomb by the end of the year u.s officials say just in biden administration says iran could now be weeks away from having material to build a nuclear bomb 2021 and i have more of these and i think it was mother jones which is sort of a leftist site but they actually compiled a list of the all the six months away remember also the cartoon bomb Right with yep. the red line, yep. Iran's oh, six yeah. months away, six months away from building a bomb. Yeah, yeah. So the, again, yep. that's what they do. Oh, it's infuriating. It is, and they're not. And the media a bomb. feeds right into it. The media, the media is everything. And you know, we were yes, talking about are. Scott Horton earlier. He gave this like little nine-minute speech about Iran and uranium and enrichment and how much you actually need to build a bomb and all that. And it had. About half a million views on YouTube on my channel before it got ovened. But uh, I'm going to have to go dig that up and, and repost it because it's yeah. just, it was years ago, but it's the same lies. They never changed. So everything he said then about the lies is still true. The debunking still works. And why, why can't amazing that little how clip or something like that be on TV and put everybody's mind at ease? It's, it's amazing how. Uh how you can scream so loudly at something that doesn't exist yet something that does exist that the American government denies or prevents the government you know no one speaks about Israel's nuclear arsenal it's, it's the we know it's there thing. everybody knows it. it's like saying Taiwan's not a country that's right it's <laughs> like oh you know while I'm holding my nuclear bomb Oh, they're trying to make one over there. We can't have them doing that. I mean, it's, How many yeah, Americans I mean, some know that Israel democracy. stole nuclear weapons from America? Nope. If nope. any other country I, stole nuclear weapons, there would have been a war. Not hmm. Israel. And the same thing, you know, and, you, and you, you've, done, you've done work on this before. I think you did it with uh, the, the guy from Australia. Bailingworth, yes. Uh, yeah, where you talked about, you know, all the stuff that went on, Israel selling all of our stuff to China, you know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, 
all these military secrets, all of our planes. Their entire the fighter plane, jet program is just absolutely, and the electronics program. I mean, that's that's the, big the bigger thing. thing. It isn't just the, yeah, it's all the com- computers 100%. and that. And Andrew did really good job on saying how important yep. that part is, both with you know, armored vehicles as well as uh, every bit of it. As the absolutely. Aircraft. It's the computation, yes, and that's why the F thirty five is so expensive. Yep. Even though it's a piece of shit, it's um the way they can all relay with each other. I mean, that's what gives you the Correct. superiority. It's not like oh, how big your rounds are, or whatever. That's not easy. That's not that no. hard to copy. No, it's the computers. That's right, and that's the stuff that they were given that they they sold. And and it's crazy how you know you saw that pre nine eleven. They would they would report on the stuff back then, but you know after nine eleven, nope, zip, erp, not going to hear about it. Hell, they'll bug our 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 capital and you know. Yeah, stingrays. Listen to the he phones. He won't. He won't say a word. He won't say a word about it. He won't admit it. You know, it's uh, yeah, and he'll let Pollard out. Let that man go back. I had a sign that said "Gas Pollard" <laughs> the longest time. They're like, "What should we do? Keep him in jail?" I'm like, "Just gas him. Like, he's a fucking traitor." Yes, sir. And they're all like, "Oh Another no, show. he didn't. He just did it for the money." He went and I'd heard that. No, oh, maybe. But what did he do when he got out? He ran right to Israel. He was totally in Israel. And encourage yeah. other people to do the same do what thing I that he did. did. Exactly. Willie he Wallace did. says, thank you for all the red pills. Keep up the great work. I appreciate the knowledge you've bestowed upon me. Thank you, dude. I'll tell you what I'm going to do because it's so late in the U.S. Let's just do another segment on the whole, fl- the <laughs> what I titled it, <laughs> Vigilant Resolve. Yeah, it doesn't matter because okay. I can change the title. That That is yeah. what we're going to get into, but I don't mind at all talking about Abu Ghraib and night raids and body snatching and all that, too. So, yeah. next time we come on, y'all, it's going to be, um, I got to do Nagasaki stuff on the 9th. It's the anniversary of the bombing and things, but I'll get you on in about a week, and we'll go over that story. That okay. was, uh, you already told it to me, and that's why I was having you on. It was It's heartbreaking shit. Yeah, people need to know, man. And people need to know sure how, they do. what Blackwater did to instigate the bridge hanging yep. and all the rest of it. I mean, they fired in the crowd and. That story needs to be told. Unfortunately, we can't say it on YouTube. We'll do it like we're doing now. Save it. Bump it to Odyssey and bitch shoot. YouTube's anti-free speech. They're pro-war. They're pro-pedophile. It's run by a bunch of woke figots. And, uh, you know, it ain't going to change. We're going to have to start building up other platforms, everybody. So with that, I'll steal a line from Sticks and say that's about all. Peace.